Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. International News Review. Welcome back, Steve Oaken, to our International News Review. Boy, what a big week this was. Let's start off first with Wagner boss Yevgeny Prigozhin crashing. Officials believe that, uh, well, they, they know that he died now, I believe. Uh, but they think that it was an onboard explosion that brought down his plane. Do not cross the Russian president anytime. Well, Prigozhin clearly did not follow the advice of Omar you come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> best not exactly. Miss. That's from the wire. <laughs> he, he missed and uh, he is dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not surprising, I guess, that he was, he was gone one way or another. I guess it was just a matter of time and how it was going to happen. But the interesting thing is now there are 5,000 Wagner soldiers who have uh, ostensibly put a target mm. on Putin's back. Well, I would say two things. One, that this it does matter how he went because he could have fallen out of a window or he could have eaten some bad oysters. Uh, But when you get blown out of the sky in front of the entire world to see, and it is clearly a bomb that blows up this airplane (laughs) and it is clearly a Mm. deliberate act that sends a message that sends a much stronger message than than you know tripping and falling out of the window um and so no this really it does matter how he dies because this sends a message to the elites Mm. you don't cross putin it sends a message to anyone who says who questions you know quote unquote the the special military operation that's going on and and you better not do that and so it, it really sends a strong message and I think it sends a message to all of those like can you call them employees if you're if you worked for the the Wagner group if you're a mercenary if you're a mercenary or an employee <laughs> I guess so uh, yeah. sends a very strong message there you better do whatever the Russian military and the and, and the and the Putin leadership tells you to do William Burns the CIA chief had a great quote I don't know if you heard it wondering why it took so long he said the question was does the emperor have no clothes why is it taking him so long for him to get dressed in other words mm. what is taking Putin so long to show himself in his true colors. Where do we go from here? Does this strengthen Putin or weaken him? Well, I mean, I would certainly think it, it, I mean, from everything I'm reading, it it strengthens him in the short run uh, because it shows that you cannot cross Putin and that, uh, and that, but that could it weaken him because it also shows that the quote unquote forgiveness, right, that was that was supposedly given to Prigozhin. That yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, there is no rule of law. This is a mafia state. Um, and and so it could lead to more I'm not going to lead to more, but it would certainly lead to continued that that you're living under a, a total dictatorship where there is no rule of law. And at some point that eventually breaks. When? We don't know. But at some point it will break. Hmm. What's the most depressing aspect to me, guys, what I've been reading is the Wagner Group had already served its purpose for the most part for Putin. It had done what it needed to do in Ukraine. It had also done what it needed to do in Central Africa, where it's been based. Putin has been unashamedly talking about what his plans are in Africa this very week. He feels more emboldened than ever. So at this point, what is it going to take for this man to, in inverted commas, go away? Well, again, it's going to have to. It's going to have to come from the Russian people. It's not going to come from the outside. His grip is as tight as it's been. But you know, the, the tighter your grip is, at some point things start to to leak through. But mm. there's certainly no hope 
uh, that there that, that you know that you have to assume Putin is going to be in charge, and then that plays into what's going to happen in Ukraine. How do you come to an end to this? What type of resolution might there be? You see the Saudis trying to step in to find a way, maybe that there could be some peace. You certainly see some guardrails that the Chinese seem to have on on Putin, at least when it comes to nuclear weapons, but. No end in sight, and it's been yeah. a, a terrible, dreadful year. So and depressing. It, and it's, so depressing. it doesn't seem to be getting any better. It's interesting. There's been some names thrown about uh, in terms of who Prigozhin's successor might be. This guy called the Angel is one that I've seen listed. But, you know, uh, Putin still needs the Wagner Group in, a, in Africa and, and I, th- I think probably still in Ukraine as well. So it's, it's interesting timing. And, you know, again, is it smart to – you know, to anger thousands of guys with guns by yeah. killing their beloved leader in such a bold way. You know, when I, it I, takes I, is I, one guy with a gun to you know take out Putin, right? I, right but time. I don't look. I, I I would I would challenge your use of the word beloved. I don't know that Prigozhin was beloved. He was. These are mercenaries, really? and if the next person's going to pay more, then he's going to buy their loyalty. Yeah, they followed. They followed him into a into a mutiny, though, right? Well, some of them did, but but they, they're paid for that, yeah. and and you yeah. can you're just going to pay off the next person even yeah. more. And so I think this shows that that yeah. Prigozhin, who was supposed to have been trusted and friends with Putin, I guess if you could use that word for for a decade or more. Gets killed. That can happen to anybody. Yeah. All right. Eight Republican presidential candidates faced off this week in the U.S. in the most pointless debate of all time as their real contender for the White House was getting his mugshot taken. What did you make of the uh, the GOP showdown this week? It's Donald Trump's party. Donald Trump controls it. Donald Trump dictates the messaging, and the this debate changes nothing. I'll give you one with one caveat. So you say, who's the winner of the, this debate? The winner is Donald Trump um, because he started as a front runner. He ends as the front runner. There was nothing at the debate that would then say to Donald Trump, "Boy, I missed." something by not being there. I've got to come to the next debate. There's no incentive for him to debate at all. And if he's not on the stage and they can't differentiate without his being there, this primary is over. And so the only thing you can think of that happened here is that of the eight who are on the stage, they recognize Trump is 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 in the lead unless something happens, which, of course, it could. Trump will win the nominee. So I want to come in second. So it's who, so instead of fighting off of Trump, they're fighting each other, trying to position themselves as the person put, who is there if yep, Trump fails. Put on your political consultant hat, your neutral political consultant yep. hat here for a moment. I was surprised that when they asked the question, how many of you will support Donald Trump if he is the nominee? Um, I was surprised that there wasn't more pushback. I think Chris Christie uh, was a little bit, you know, hesitant and whatever. But, you know, that would have been the moment for some people to say, look, I don't think he's going to be. I want to be the nominee. I think we need a new path forward. It was very interesting that yet again, there was no strong... Everybody basically caved at that moment and said, oh, yeah, we'll support him rather than standing up for their own candidacy. Uh, you know, they had nothing to lose basically at that point by doing that. They're also far be- behind in the polls, right? right but, but remember, their strategy is who is going to be in second 
to then hopefully be there if Trump fails. Mm. And if you want to be in second, you're going to have to pick up the Trump voter. So mm. they don't want to alienate the Trump voter by saying that they would allow him to be in jail if they won. Uh, and so that's why. But then you're right. But, but Glenn, then, then you're questioning. You're running for president, and yet you're saying – I'm not saying anything bad about Donald Trump. Well, then why not vote for Donald Trump? Right. You're not giving exactly. people a reason mm. not to vote yeah. for Trump. But that's because Trump owns the party. And they're all counting on some outside force. Again, Chris Christie well, and Asa Hutchinson yeah. being the two exceptions. They're counting on some outside force taking out Trump, not them themselves. And that's the problem with the entire Republican mm. Party mm. That, that has been in existed since Donald Trump took it over. Yeah. But that's not going to happen, is it? I'm sure you guys saw this. Donald Trump went back on Twitter, or X, formerly known as Twitter, for the first time in two and a half years. He just puts up his mugshot. It says, election interference, never surrender. In less than 24 hours, it's been viewed 212 million times. It's been loved 1.4 million times. It's been shared 425,000 times and had a quarter of a million comments. In other words, the kind of publicity and global reaction and response that those guys can only dream of. Where do we go from here? The first president in history with a mugshot, and it actually boosts... His popularity. It boosts his popularity. With his fan base. With his fan base. And it's his fan base who's controlling the Republican primaries right now. And actually, as a side question I'd have for you, Neil, I I hate to put you on the spot. Is this now the most famous mugshot of all time? Well, it will be. Of course it will be. Who else have you got? Frank Sinatra had one, didn't he? That was a famous one. I don't know off the top of my head. I just you think got Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. You got Sinatra. Do you, Al Capone. You Capone. Do you have Hugh Grant? Right? Well, that was a famous one. Yeah. O.J. Simpson. Uh, so I don't – is this the now the most famous mugshot of all time? I mean that's what we're talking about, somebody who is now – th- that overarching when it comes to But that's to, the point, the culture. It, 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 we, I, no disrespect to what you're saying with with Grant, Hugh Grant, and everything, but it reduces the election of the most powerful position, arguably in world politics, to a joke, mm. and that's where we are. And it isn't a joke, and it shouldn't be. And that's why you have somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy, who people are saying, "Well, he he did really well. He, he's totally contradicts himself over and over again. He has literally no policy positions outside being Mister Anti Woke. Um, he tries to be a fanboy to Trump every chance he gets." And his popularity goes up by 12 points. And you see people like Mike Pence and Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson and Nikki Haley, who are really good at governing, who have very serious policy chops. If you're Nikki Haley, you have serious foreign policy chops. You're Mike Pence. You're the former vice president. You're like, I can't believe I'm behind this guy. It's bad (laughs) enough I'm behind Trump. I'm behind Vivek Ramaswamy. It's a joke what's happening Mm. when it comes to the culture invading how we are selecting who is going to be the leader of the free world. So this debate is basically who becomes Trump's running mate. Who can kiss his backside enough to get the number two spot? Is that all we're talking about Well, Now, now you could say some people are doing it for different reasons. If you want to be really cynical, I mean, you could say Mike Pence is doing this to for his historical legacy, to make it very clear he stood up for the Constitution. When it mattered, he did what he needed to do, and he got a lot of praise from the other candidates on the stage. 
booed in the, by the audience when he took on Trump. But he got and he and here's a guy who said, you tried to kill me. You tried to kill my family. But I will vote for you if you're the Republican nominee. And this what is this is, is the that? point that, that I right. just find hard to hard to understand anyway. But yeah. um, lot, lots to uh, lots to see. It was actually nice, though, to hear some different voices uh, about. You but know, did we really hear them though? Well, Globally, well, did they even filter through as, beyond as the it, mugshot? As it was, yeah, as it was. Yeah. But right. it's but there and it's interesting to see what's left of the Republican Party because uh, outside of the Trump wing of the party, which is almost a whole party now. But there were some serious discussions in this debate on Ukraine. There were some serious discussions in this debate on abortion. There were some serious discussions in this debate on climate change. Um, and like you know, as, as someone, if I take off my nonpartisan. If I take off my Democratic hat, say nonpartisan, Nikki Haley by far did the best job of articulating an argument right. that could get her not only Republican votes, but those independent votes mm-hmm. as well on her positions on Ukraine, climate change and abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the question is, does she have any chance in this world of the Republican Party? She would have been a great candidate in the Republican Party eight years ago, 12 years mm-hmm. ago, 16 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, but today, we'll have to see. So I, that's why I say Donald Trump won. If somehow Nikki Haley can break through and challenge Trump, then I will say this debate mattered and Nikki Haley really stood out. Um, I yep. think v- Vivek Ramaswamy will go the way more of John Yang, which is why I'm wearing my Yang for President T-shirt. <laughs> uh, uh, but he could become like a Pete Buttigieg, and who knows where he ends up? I mean, Buttigieg kind of played this role, and Yang played this role. Ramaswamy, let's see where he goes. So there was some meaningful things in this debate, some meaningful policy discussions, but it doesn't matter in the end because they're so overshadowed by yeah. by, by the the soon to be surreal well, times four time invested the four the, the four time indicted twice impeached former president it is it is a moment in history i told my kids look remember this moment this will be yeah. one of those moments in your life's history that will be uh, remembered i agree and like, mug- like covid was like many other things that and, and not trivializing it it's actually yeah. an important point his mugshot itself is is a demented unrepentant <laughs> Warlord. I mean, that's just that's the image he wants to project. You know how many times did he look in the mirror? Of course, getting he was, that he image. Well, you're doing, I, can't, I can't do a Trump. I can't do a Trump like, oh. image. As Glenn's trying to take my photo, <laughs> I did it yeah. uh, while I'm while I'm on the air. Uh, <laughs> it's impossible. Do, do Neil? It was, Neil can it do it a was, better. It was cartoonish. It was depressingly cartoonish. Hey, he, I don't know. Is he the Riddler? <laughs> the, yeah. The okay. Let's move Penguin? on. All right. Hey, India. Great news out of India. This week, the uh, the Chandrayaan Chandrayaan number three makes history. Their spacecraft landed successfully near the moon's south pole, making it the first country to do so. Uh, the Prime Minister of India, Narendra Modi, said the mission belongs to all of humanity. Uh, a, a, an amazing moment for them, and getting to this part of the moon where they believe there was water. Uh, or frozen water uh, at one mm. point, if not now. Uh, Japan is going to try their mission starting tomorrow, Sunday. Um, Russia's mission failed. Mm. The spacecraft crashed earlier this week before. That's uh, not a symbol at all, yeah, is it? Exactly, uh, right? Of where we are. Of where we are. But Steve, t- take us through this. You know, the, the space race is there. Everyone's everyone's involved. Lots of com- countries now are you know, being successful. An amazing moment for India. At the moment, only Asia is represented on the moon. Uh, quick question for the two of you. When's the, when's the last time Russia landed a, a spacecraft on 76. the moon? 76. 
Trick uh, question. Never. It was the Soviet <laughs> Union. Russia as a yeah. country has never yeah. put anyone on the moon. So only four countries have ever landed on the moon. Yeah. The U.S., China, and the Soviet Union. Uh, India, the latest. This is, it's great. How many for, have landed and then taken off again? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's, about, a, that's with, a smaller number. Right, well, that's a, <laughs> with one person, with, with people on it, that's, that's only one country. Uh, but uh, but it's amazing to see now four countries, and really, and, and, and as we saw, Russia doesn't have the capability, it seems, to land on the moon right now. So it's right. only the three. Um, it's an interesting that you know India becomes the first country to land a spacecraft near the moon's south pole, Glenn, as you mentioned. And I don't know if you do you watch For All Mankind? Great show on Apple TV. So For All Mankind is it's about colonizing the moon mm-hmm. and it's a race between the Americans and the Soviets mm-hmm. to do so. And it's all about having water there. And if you have water on the moon, then you can use the moon as a base to go yes. beyond the moon. So you've got to watch For All Mankind. But this is like playing out of For All Mankind. Yeah. The beginning of all Man- For All Mankind is, is there water on the moon? And India is the first country to, to come close enough to be able to do that. So hmm. a really big deal from a scientific perspective. It's a big deal from a geopolitical uh, perspective. Will this now get the United States and, and its space program back going? Will this do more for the for the Chinese? Yeah. Are the Russians capable of coming back? So really a, a, a big deal, a heroic deal. And then let's see where, where it takes us. Hopefully it will not be quite like for all mankind where we start to get warring between, yeah. between two countries. But I don't want to give away the show. You really should watch. <laughs> but I am generally fascinated by the dichotomy here. Unlike the daft space flights of our billionaires that you guys seem to endorse, and I don't, um, this does have real scientific interest, as you, as you mentioned there, Steve. But there's a paradox slightly. I know why they're doing it, to try and find water, possibly colonize the moon. But should we be using those resources to save this planet or give up this planet and go elsewhere? You see what I'm saying? From an ESG point of view, where do we put our money? Well, can we even save this planet? Well, there you go. <laughs> do we need I hey, do we want to have a backup so that we can then use the moon to go other locations if we need to? Or do we stop chopping down the rainforests and move <laughs> so, away from fossil fuels and, mm. and, and and look and the United States had this certainly a debate in the 60s and it's when a valid one. All of those issues should should we be spending the United States we'd be spending all this money to go to the moon when we've got poverty and our cities are burning down and we've got terrible uh, conditions here and we've got the poverty in Appalachian, we've got poverty in in inner cities. Which applies even more so to India. But look, we would not be having our iPhones and and if it were in GPS, Velcro, without you know, without, all without, kinds right. of materials. I mean, you know, look, I, and we've, we had this discussion, I think, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, it comes we talking about it. Look, we, all, we certainly need to take care of poverty and all these other issues, but the, it is undeniable there have been hundreds and hundreds of major breakthroughs in science and technology because of the space race. No, I agree. Over no, the, I agree completely. And, and look, if you want to get really technical, why don't you take a little bit, why don't we take a little bit of money away from the defense programs? There you go. And put that toward poverty. Instead of killing each you other. Know, one, yeah. one hundredth of a defense program spend. Uh, you know, you could solve poverty. poverty Absolutely. Probably. Anyway, okay, we got to move on. Last one. Uh, in Vietnam, the uh, a really fascinating story came across last week, and, and that was the electric vehicle maker there called VinFast, 
uh, they went on the stock market and their valuation was above that of Ford and General Motors on the first day of trading. It closed above $37 in their New York debut. Uh, and uh, fascinating story. And again, looking at the rise of Asia, technology, new technology, sustainable technologies across Asia. What do you make of it, Steve? Well, I don't understand the stock piece at all. And the stock is continuing this skyrocket. It went up something like another 40% yesterday combined between yesterday and, and, and Thursday. Mm-hmm. So it is skyrocketing. How is it that a company that has sold 24,000 cars in 2022 <laughs> – Compared to Ford, which sold 4.2 million cars, right? And this, and their, yeah. and that company is worth more. That doesn't make any sense from a financial perspective. It doesn't make any sense from a, a stock market valuation perspective. Look, VinFast has a good toehold in Vietnam. It certainly seems to be doing well in the U.S., where it's going to be manufacturing in North Carolina. It's going to be selling in California. But here you have this company that is literally 1% of mm. a huge conglomerate Vin Group. Mm. How is it that this it's being valued at what it is? No one I, that that I, I haven't been able to read that can explain it other than this is people gambling in the market like they gamble with Bitcoin and other right. things that are totally right. speculative. But hope like good we'll for see, them right? and let's see yeah. what happens and Do, good to have Is Vietnam. there a possibility they feel that the future of EVs, electric vehicles is here in this part of the world? Well, it, it, it's, but it's the U.S. market is, what, is what's driving their, their, mm. the, the stock valuation and, and the entry to go there. And I, I shouldn't just say it's not just the U.S. market. They're also they have stores in Europe as well. So the, it, doesn't se- it doesn't seem to be it's a run-of-the-mill company. It seems to have a bright future. It certainly shows that you can have homegrown countries in Asia and not just Japan and, and China and India, yep. but in markets like Vietnam, become global. And so – Great to to close on on two stories where you've got a success in India, you've got a success in Vietnam, and it shows why there is so much excitement in in Asia Pacific. Be interesting to see which of the major U.S. car makers or others want to come in and partner with with uh, Vinfast as well. And if you are in a Vinfast car, I bet it doesn't cut you off. <laughs> and I will be seeing or drive you. itself. <laughs> Give you a quick plug. I'll be seeing you next week on Tuesday. I will be at two events next week with nice. uh, Bill Ahari Kausakan for his new book, uh, a collection of his essays. Singapore is still not an island. And the, the self-described undiplomatic diplomat, uh, now pensioner, is very open on where he sees geopolitics. So I'm looking forward to doing two events with, with Bill Ahari we'll next see week there. and having you there. Yep. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.